It's great to be with you this morning. Yeah, yeah. Good to be with you. you know, we've too. been, my wife and I have been in Boston for the last four years. It's actually four years ago. Right about now, we drove a 26 foot U Haul truck into town and survived. <laughs> and there's been a number of layers of the process of us connecting and finding our way and our, our place in this community over that period of time. And part of that process has just been getting to know you, one by one in different contexts. And there's several of you that I don't know at all, but I've, I've uh, had a, a chance to have conversations with people and getting to know your children, different ones, and I tell you, I, I, I love you. It's sweet. This is, this is tender. What Jesus is doing among us is fresh and it's tender. I, I like what you said. John, thank you. I, I, uh, I believe God has gifted you. He's given you generously, given you gifts. And I like to see those gifts come alive. My father and grandfather were pastors. My grandfather passed away a number of years ago. My father is in his early 80s and is uh, not in active ministry right now, but I, I saw a pattern of ministry over the course of their lives with them walking out the best that they knew how, which was pretty much centered right here at the, at the front. These are the people, the gifts that you see are the ones that are on the stage. And the rest of us are, are uh, kind of a step below that, and that's not true. That is an image that's often cultivated, I, I guess, because all the chairs are facing this way, you know, it kind of, uh, we'd do a little bit better if we were in the round, but our, our buildings are not necessarily shaped that way. What I'm trying to say is you do have gifts, and I think that, that that's where the life is, is when we kind of turn this place loose and let the Holy Spirit do whatever He wants to do. So I say yes to Him again this morning, His will, His word, His life. And I am going to be sharing, uh, I'm not handing these out at the beginning, and I'm, I'm, because I know if you get something in your hands, you will hear about half of what I have to say. You'll be spending your whole time reading. But I've got a prayer guide that I'm teaching out of this morning, and it is a, a format that I've used since I was in a meeting in, in Kansas City in 1988. Uh, a guy named Mike Bickle wrote a little booklet, and it wasn't... I haven't heard this taught before, but I just picked up this little booklet on the back wall and began seeing that as the value that hopefully that I'm going to be communicating with you this morning of a, a part of a, a grid for our lives in prayer. And I've got a question for you. <clears throat> if you were to evaluate your prayer life, how much of your prayers are involved in focused on short-term things as opposed to long-term? How many, what percentage of your prayers are on, I have a need that I want met? Even healing, even an answer, a specific answer, as opposed to building a soul over the course of your life. And I, I want to challenge you. You know, God cares about the little things in our life. He, he cares about the details. He really does care about your parking places. 
So you can pray for those parking places, and you know that's that's it's a, it's a true evidence of spiritual authority if you're in downtown Boston <laughs> to find a parking place with a meter, you know, or, or at, even better, a two-hour spot, you know, that's free. But um, what I I he cares about those things, but I want to call you to a higher place, I believe. And that is to, to build a soul that you're presenting to God for eternity. That you're, you're here on earth in a process of uh, training for reigning, a guy named Paul Bilheimer says. You're in a, a place of growing your mind, will, and emotions that reflect the character of God. And what I'm going to be talking about today is a pattern for you to approach that long-term process. Now, I've got a, a, a grid for this that, uh, again, I'm going to hand out a little bit later, but the, the first page of this says prayers for holiness. And so the larger context of what we're praying for, and I've got the, the first slide, I think, that will give you this picture, and that is to be holy is not just looking for moral purity. I'm not just saying, Lord, I don't want to sin as much as I did yesterday or last week or last month. Not looking for just a sinlessness. I'm looking for completeness. We're not just looking for purity. We're looking for wholeness. So when we look at this word holy and we think about God's character, what the angels in the book of Revelation were shouting out to him, They weren't just saying, you haven't sinned. They were saying, you are full beyond measure. You are complete. There's no lack in you. You are perfect. There's no flaw in you. You're whole. So all of our prayers, if you were to get a vision for your life, I believe it's holiness. But I just want to expand that concept. When we're praying for holiness, we're not just saying, I I want you to do less embarrassing things next week. And we we get onto that that treadmill, don't we? Where we're thinking, there's there's some embarrassing patterns in my life, and I I would like those to be reduced by at least 30% (laughs) over the course of the next season of my life. No, your focus is you're building something that is rich. That is, uh, you're building a soul. And these prayers, I, I put my hands out like this. As I'm, I see us as, in my prayer life, I'm, I have a cup that I'm putting out before God. Now, maybe a bowl. I, we actually have one of these wooden bowls at our house that uh, I got from uh, this guy in western Massachusetts. And I'm, I want this bigger and bigger bowl. And I'm saying, God, fill this with your character. So what are these things? And I also want to say, this is done by grace through faith. This is not our striving. We're not trying to grow character out of self-effort. Your will is involved. Your will, you have to be saying yes to something. We're not just saying no to something. We're saying yes to something. We're saying yes to some specific things this morning. And, uh, and God is increasing your desire to be more and more like him. But this is done through you receiving. This is this bowl. God, come and fill my bowl. 
and that my will is exercised in asking you and and coming toward God and asking for His work in my life. So, I actually have a lot of material to cover. This is a, a message that would easily be a much more extended series, and you're going you're gonna to feel this as I go along. So I'm giving the introduction, but when I get started here in a moment, it's going to be going bam, 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 bam. So if some of your hair parts and you're going like this in your seat, then I'm accomplishing my goal. <laughs> and uh, so... What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a prayer point. And then I'm going to explain what that is. And then we're going to pray. So you're going to be engaged in this. I'm going to ask you to pray. And I'll I'll explain the caveat a little bit later. You're going to be praying some dangerous things. So you might want to read it before you pray it. (laughs) And say, do I really want to be asking for this stuff? Especially when we get down to embracing the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings. You may want to... Think about that a couple more times before you ask for these things because they, there is, you're unleashing God's hand in your life in a significant way. So here are our seven things. We're going to ask for the fear of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We're asking for uh, the spirit of discipline, of self-control. We're asking for a spirit of prayer and intercession. We're asking for love and humility. Then we're asking for the power of God to be released in ministry. And finally, praying for boldness and joy and victory in persecution. Now, uh, so when I, uh, over the course of my, the last almost 30 years as I've been praying through these things, I am, I'm constantly thinking, is there something else? How, if I was to condense my ideal prayer list for what I'm asking God to create in a soul over the course of my life, what would that be? And this is my list. This is, as I've reflected and read the Bible, this is me trying to get a hold of the most that I can within a, within a, a, a focused list. So I'm not saying that it's complete. This is, this is something that I've generated. And you may have something else that you want to add to your list, but I would encourage you not to have a list of 47 things or even 15 things. If, you could, if you're really asking consistently for a few things that you're building in your life, what are they? These are mine. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to convince you over the course of the next hour of the impact of each one of these. Okay? You ready? All right, let's go. The fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the hatred of evil. It's the thing that's inside of you that makes you want to want what is good and hate what is not good. The fear of the Lord is joining your heart to God and saying, I want what you want. I want your feelings, your emotions, your passions, the things that you love and the things that you hate to be in me. You know, God hates things. He hates little children that are abused. He hates violence. He hates these things that destroy people. And he's, that's what the cross is all about. It coming and taking in himself the, all of that suffering, all that pain, all that brokenness, and saying, I want what my Father wants more than anything else. Jesus 
is God, but in that relationship of the persons of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, He said, I want what you want. To me, the fear of the Lord is saying, I want to feel God's heart. I want what He wants. Now, this is not legalism or performance. This is actually, to me, the fear of the Lord is a step out of those things. And it's to me, it is it's the purest motivation, pure motivation that I can find for walking free, for really trying to honor God. You could, this is not the fear of hell. This is not the fear of losing your salvation. This is not the fear of rejection. This is a fear that breaks every other fear. You fear God and fear nothing and no one else. So we want, how many want the fear of the Lord in their life? That you are in awe of Him. Now, some people say, oh, awe, that just means like a reverence, kind of like, hmm. I say, no, you're shaking in your shoes. You're like John on, on the island of Patmos when, when Jesus stepped forward, eyes of fire, hair as white as wool. My children say, wool's kind of dirty sometimes, but hair as white as wool. He fell on his face. He was trembling. It was not like, hmm, awe of God. The fear of the Lord is something that causes you to tremble on the inside. It shakes you up. So, I want us to pray this. And let me say this also. Psalm 86, 11. And I've got a lot of the references in this guide here. But the fear of the Lord... He says, unite my heart in Psalm 86, 11. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. So what happens over the course of our lives is we attach to a lot of lesser things. We put our value in this and that and this, this relationship or this item or this experience. And we say, and the psalmist is saying, unite my heart. Bring my heart back so that I may fear your name. Just unite my heart that I would fear your name. So it's break every idol and lesser attachment so that I can bring my whole heart to God. You know, we're way too impressed with the person that's just a few steps ahead of us. I think about, it's so interesting to me to see a first grader impressed with a third grader more than they're impressed with their parents. Like, oh, if I could just be like little Freddie who's just like right there. You're thinking, so that's how we are. So often, just your goal is too small. Let the fear of the Lord fill our lives. Will you pray with me? Let's pray this prayer. I'll let you look at it just a second. Then we're going to start. Lord Jesus, fill me with the awe and fear of you so that I fear nothing and no one else. Fill me with your heart so that I love what you love and hate what you hate. God, fill me with your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. May I be marked in history among those who most fear your name. Someone say amen. amen. Number two, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Revelation is having eyes that see and ears that hear. Jesus said, you need this. <laughs> you, there is a spirit realm that's more permanent than anything that we see. The things that are seen are subject to change. The things that are not seen are eternal. 
And then we struggle with this constantly, don't we? You just, every breath, you get out of bed in the morning, you think, this is what's real. All of the information that's going on around us. And we have to get to another place where we're seeing what God sees. We're hearing His voice. The spirit of wisdom. You know, wisdom is, when, when I was a little kid, I read the Bible and I heard I could get something free. He said He gives to wisdom to us who ask for Him freely and liberally. He just generously pours that out. So I've been asking for wisdom for a long time because it was free. And I want as much of that as I can get. So this wisdom and revelation allows you to do the right thing in the right time, in the right way, with the right relationships. It's not just finding the right thing and it's like a a round peg in a square hole. You're just hammering that thing in. You're, You're getting, Lord, what am I supposed to do? And how am I supposed to do it? And when am I supposed to do it? And who am I supposed to be doing it with? That's wisdom. And revelation is, is, is seeing it from God's perspective. It's that deeper insight. So, <clears throat> revelation is this opening of our eyes and ears to the spirit realm. And uh, Jesus rebuked his disciples. And he said, do you have eyes but fail to see? Or, I'm not sure. He was talking to his disciples probably and people that are around. And the ears but fail to hear? Don't you remember? So it's, it's not okay to not have this. It's not like, yeah, we'll just kind of do what I need to do. I'm going to call on you to another place. When you walk in Revelation, you're, you are getting discernment, not just about the Word of God, but Revelation wisdom about your relationships. You need insight into your children's life. You need to see each other like God sees you. Not just judging people according to their flesh, judging them according to their their weakness, but Lord, give us revelation, give us understanding of of each other. And then also in our work, I'm praying for revelation. I've got a friend that, uh, a few friends that have advanced degrees, and one guy specifically, he's got a whole bunch of patents, and uh, he's laser, uh, professor of lasers or something like that. He's, he's got this thing that goes, you know. No, he uh, says a lot of surgical applications to what he does. And he, he said, I get my greatest ideas where? In the shower. You know, walking down the road. Not when I'm thinking hard. about The, you know, I, the revelation comes just as I'm open and I'm receiving it. He said, I really believe it comes from heaven. The patents that I get come from heaven. Lord, give us revelation in our work. Give us answers. Give us greater insight into the task. We have new, new songs, new music, new ideas. Re- those of you that are building structure, organizational systems, Lord, give us revelation and wisdom. So let's ask for it. Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. Now, I'm not going to... We're just going to dive in. You kind of look at this. All right. Now, this is Paul praying for them. So, uh, he says this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, join with me, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know that hope to which He has called you 
the glorious riches of inheritance in the saints and the superable power for us who believe. I, you know, I learned this in a, another translation I just realized. <laughs> uh, but uh, that he's praying, God, uh, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him better. The eyes of your heart and light to know the hope of his calling, the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints, surpassing greatness of your power, his power toward you as believers. We pray that for ourselves, pray that for each other. Number three, control over our tongues and thought lives. Anybody feel a need to grow in this area? Now, I just want to tell you that there is a dynamic connection between your tongue and your thoughts. And some of you are thinking, this is a typical thing. How can I get control over pornography, envy, jealousy, these uh, self-damaging thoughts? And if you can begin to get control over your tongue and, and guide what you're saying, it actually begins to change your thoughts. Um, James chapter 3 speaks of the tongue as a rudder. Like you get, and, and it talks how important it is. If you can get that thing under control, you can control your entire being. So, <clears throat> we can't, really make progress long-term in our lives just by focusing on our outward actions. You start by focusing on your thoughts, and your thoughts are connected to your tongue. So, um, <clears throat> a loose tongue means a lack of self-control. Now, this is dangerous for a person that talks a lot. And I also, it's dangerous for me as because I spend a lot of my time trying to be funny. And that means you pull these thoughts out of nowhere and inject them into little moments that, just to bring humor. And, but the Lord has been showing me more and more how, how uh, you know, I, I get a little bit too much mileage out of that. And I, I need to let go of some of my ability to try to entertain people and draw down into good old boring self-control. <clears throat> because it, it affects my wife and children so beautifully. They actually stopped laughing at my jokes a few years ago. <laughs> and it, it is... So, but what blesses them is the words of affirmation that I speak. What blesses them is my ability to be predictable in my character. That, I, that what they see is what they get. And that it's, it can be trusted. So, self-control and discipline in our lives are connected also to your willingness to be corrected. Now, that's a, again, that's kind of a scary thing. But... Psalm 141 says this, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil. Okay? Tongue, heart, 
to take part in wicked deeds with men who are evildoers. Let me not eat of their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. So there's a place here, the self-control that's connected to our accountability with each others, with each other. I guess there could be a plural somewhere in there. But our, our ability to receive truth shapes your ability to walk free in your thoughts. Your boundary, you push people back. No, no. That causes you to lose ground, actually. So let's pray. Psalm 141, 3 through 5. I just read that. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> and sometimes I have this not personalized, and sometimes I have the prayers personalized. I think here I just put the, the scripture in there, and, uh, and, and the psalmist does personalize. He's asking for himself. So, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil, to take part in wicked deeds with men who are evildoers. Let me not eat of their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. You see the pattern that happens if you pray this a couple thousand times? You're, you are placing your soul into a mold consistently. Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're, that you're proving the will of God. You're in a consistent process of pressing your life, your soul, into the mold of God's Word. By asking for it, by receiving it, by expecting it. <clears throat> Spirit of prayer and supplication. So we talk about prayer, and it is a, a, uh, it's a basic spiritual discipline. Uh, you know, we, we can deal with fasting. Uh, silence is a spiritual discipline. There are many different aspects of, of that, but the first one is in a relationship, is communication. So prayer is that communication that we have with God. It is invading the invisible. It is interacting with the one who is not seen. And that is a muscle that we have to commit the rest of our lives to developing. There's a, um, a woman who is a, a, was for a season of time the lead intercessor for a ministry in Africa, uh, called, uh, uh, it was led by Reinhard Bonnke. Anybody know that name, Reinhard Bonnke? <clears throat> this crazy German woman, six foot two. She is incredibly a, a, aggressive, and uh, but exciting, and tenderness. You know, what a strange mixture, you know? Aggressively spiritual, deeply humble. That's wholeness, Right? Not just this personality coming at you, but there's a tenderness to it. And she talked about the spirit of prayer and intercession, being a person who's willing to answer, answer and I have to do it, use her, her accent, the call for emergency. 
If God has an emergency, then it's an emergency. And there are places in the Spirit where you get a burden, you get something in you, and you did, it's not the pizza that you just ate. It's not about your feelings. If you're walking in Revelation, sometimes the things that are hitting you are a call for you to pray. There's a burden that's come. And we want to be those that are on call for these 911 things from heaven. We want to be praying, you know, releasing angels in the parking lot up in New Hampshire. Lord Jesus, we are asking to be, I want to be one of the people that you call sometimes in the middle of the night. I don't know if you've heard those stories before, but some person on the other side of the world was in a difficult situation. It was the middle of the day for them. It was the middle of the night for you. And you got this burden. You start praying for them. And a week later, two weeks later, you go on, you start syncing up calendars. You find out it was exactly the same time. The Holy Spirit brought you in line with a laser beam prayer that was critical for a specific point in time. Lord, that's how we want to be living our lives. We want the spirit of prayer. I want to be walking in a constant conversation. I'm trying to fall off the stage here. And I, sometimes I bother people like this, but I, 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 you know, maybe it's a lack of self-control, but I'd break into prayer in the middle of a conversation. They say, Mark, yeah, that's kind of annoying. You know, it's <laughs> irritating. But it's just, I'm trying to erase the gap between what's seen and what's not seen. I'm bringing heaven into the middle of this conversation. And I, you know, I forget to say, excuse me, would you mind if I pray right now? I just start saying, Lord Jesus, help us. You know what's going on right here. Oh, I'm feeling something. Yes. And they're going, what? Where did that come from? Hopefully, it was this anointing, this spirit of prayer and intercession. John 15 calls us to abide. That's that constant walking process with him. And we need prayer to fill our sails with not just words, but anointed prayer. Power-soaked, spirit-soaked prayer that breaks through and sets people free. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, pour out fresh power and ability for prayer on our lives. Give us grace every day to get out of bed and seek you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Put your burdens and discernment in us in order to give, enter into spiritual warfare on behalf of others who need you and don't know how to ask. Give us fresh desire every moment of the day to recognize that you are with us. Amen. Love and humility. Some of you may think this is a little bit far down the list. Uh, And you can move up the list if you want to. That's kind of the pattern that I can describe in another situation why I kind of went through this pattern. I'll explain one one point in a minute. But... Love and humility. Pride is not thinking that you are more amazing, more wonderful than you are. Pride is not thinking too much of yourself. It's thinking about yourself too much. It's you being the center of your thoughts. And humility is putting someone else in the center of the conversation. 
in the center of the perspective, in the center of the value. You're not moving into a situation going, what can I get out of this? You're saying, what can I give into this? So, humility also, and these two words are deeply connected to each other. Humility and love. I, that's why I have them here. In my mind, they're, they're really, really inter- intertwined. And because it's of that aspect of, of value. Humility gives great value. It's, it, is, it is putting a person in position from your perspective in order to love them. In order to think the best of them. In order to not count, take a, a, a record of all the things that they've done wrong. All the list in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And love is a basic and deeply generous attitude. You just want the best for them. And you don't, you don't dole it out in little aliquots. You're just like, okay, there's, there's, you know, I've had enough. One Oreo for you, that's it. No, you're saying abundance. I would, I, when God is pouring out his love, he doesn't have little measuring tools that he's using it with. He's saying, how much do you want? And, and love is interesting because it does grow as you give it away. Your ability to receive, your ability to love others is very much tied to this ability to empty yourself. Isn't that interesting? See, there's love and humility walking itself out hand in hand like that. You, you, don't, you don't love like this a little bit. It's love is like this stretching point of saying whatever you want. And yes, God is love. So when we're loving, we're being like him. So let's pray. And this is out of Philippians chapter 2. And I think I did personalize this. But these are, these are more and more challenging things that we're asking here, okay? Lord, give us grace to be one in spirit and purpose so that we would do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than ourselves. We choose to look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. In Ephesians 3.17, we pray that being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This just shows again how each one of these different aspects folds back into holiness, fullness, completeness. We do not have holiness without an expression of love and humility. Now, 6 and 7, I keep at the end because... when I was younger, they were at the beginning of my list. I, I really wanted a high-powered gospel gun. I wanted to be able to come into situations and just go, in the name of Jesus, wham! You know, this is, that was what I thought was, was like the, the highest and best. 
But what I've done over the course of my life is, is change from performance to character in my emphasis. And I think that's important. I think So this is now the end of my list, not the beginning of my list. Because the character gives a basis for trustworthy release of power. And I, I think that I have more spiritual authority than I've ever had, and I am more careful about how I use it than I ever have. Because I know that I have the ability to hurt as well as bless. So it, it causes what? The fear of the Lord in my life. The fear of the Lord causes me to want to have self-control. And self-control leads me into wanting to love others. It's just all tied together. And there must be some appropriate background music for this moment. <laughs> there we go. That's in the Bible, by the way. So, power, miracles, conviction, and manifestation of the Holy Spirit are, in, are what um, are really critical in our impact in the world. So, if we want to see breakthrough in evangelism, we want to see salvation, healing, and deliverance. We want to see that happen through the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We want to see miracles, gifts of healings, <clears throat> tongues, interpretation, prophecy. We want, to, we want to see every way that Jesus expressed himself in the book of Acts through the Holy Spirit. Yes. And where I lived in Indonesia for 10 years, and there's an island there that had uh, a move of God in the 60s that had every recorded miracle including water turning into wine and fire coming down from heaven. So I, I like to say, whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit, do it. I pray this, zero resistance to the Holy Spirit. Your pipe flowing as big and as freely in my life as possible. And anything you want to do, you want to manifest yourself in any way, let me not be the thing that's resisting it happening. So, let's pray. Lord, fill us again today with your Holy Spirit. We say yes to any way that you desire to manifest yourself through our lives with your power and your gifts. Bring your word to us and through us with deep conviction and transformation. I didn't emphasize that point, but part of ministry is deep conviction when we speak the word of God. It doesn't just bounce off people. How many of you want when you're witnessing to people in front of them to go, yeah, whatever, or, oh, those words had power. I haven't been able to stop thinking about what you said. Lord, give us power and deep conviction with your word. And number seven, boldness and joy in persecution. I have had the distinct honor of walking with people that have had their homes burned down, that have had gasoline dumped on them, that have been run out of their communities, that have been rejected by their families. And they have joy that a lot of us don't know what we're even talking about. When they come out of those situations, and I talk with them, there is a radiance on them 
they, oh my, it's, it just causes you to weep. And you think, I, I'm a zero. <laughs> it's like, you just, we had a community on this island that's a very strong uh, Muslim island. And these people were, the Holy Spirit came at a, at a uh, baptism. They're in a valley. There's no, there, wind didn't get there. It's, it was kind of like almost an enclosed room in a deep valley. They did the baptism there because they were trying to do it in a hidden place. And during the baptism, this wind started coming around them in a circle, just like surrounding the whole group of them. And a, a whirlwind, not an out-of-control thing, but they, they knew this was not normal, and it was not natural. The result of that was they started falling on their knees and weeping and saying, Jesus, I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. You have everything. And we get the story of this. I'm in another city. I hear the story of this. And, and, and I'm, we'd have enough of these experiences where we go, uh-oh, something's just about to happen. Because he doesn't give us these phenomena just to entertain us. When God speaks loudly, some of us say, Lord, I want you to speak loudly. I want you to speak clearly. The more clearly he speaks the more difficult the path is going to be. The people that heard God said it or, or even this crazy revelation they got, what happened after these, these people? A group of uh, radical people came in and burned their homes. They ran with what they had. These are fishermen. And they escaped to another island. It's a crazy, crazy story. There's too many details to get into right now, but I just suffice it to say, it's strange. We found out later that they ended up at the island that is where the pirates go. There still are pirates in the world, and then this is a shipping lane. And they ended up on this specific island, and 200 people came to the Lord through their witness. So, persecution, suffering, joy, fulfillment. If you, if you want some excitement, start praying these prayers. You're kind of like, I don't know if God exists, you know, this stuff, so I'm just going to church. I'm going to push you right over into the deep end. <laughs> Say, watch out. Watch out. But I want you to start praying some things. Boldness and joy in persecution. That means you're, you're saying, let the fire come. Let the challenge come, and I want to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm going to be right in the middle of that thing. And that's where you see Jesus do some crazy stuff. And <clears throat> so, we are not experiencing persecution that much in Boston. Some of you would debate that, maybe in your own situation. You feel a lot of pushback. But I'm, I'm really kind of saying, more, Lord. Bring us in deeper. Make the difference between who we are as followers of Jesus be more distinct than ever. That this word is accurate and true and powerful. 
John 16, 33, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to get lots of ice cream. <laughs> yeah. I like ice cream. But this is, this is just like uh, in, uh, where are we? Matthew 16, 17. Jesus said, conflicts will come. You know, this is what we put on our refrigerators, right? So this is like, going to have problems today. Amen. <laughs> so it's Jesus saying, you're going to have trouble. Put that promise on your refrigerator. But take heart. I have overcome the world. These challenges are going to bring you into a place where you're going to see the power and the presence of God greater than you ever have. And that's, you know, that is what I want. So, if you are not experiencing persecution, I want to just tell you, it's valuable to be connected to people that are. It's changed my life. changed my perspective. I kind of, uh, you're walking through life and you stub your toe spiritually and you, you don't spend all your time thinking about yourself for the next week when you're walking in people that are actually experiencing persecution. So, so I'm going to read this one out before you read it, because this is uh, asking for some dangerous stuff. It says in Ephesians 6.19, so I'll come back and we'll pray it together, okay? But I'm going to read it first. Lord, we pray that whenever we open our mouths, words may be given us so that we will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. So I want you to stand up right now. And we'll pray these things. And we're going to, oh, the worship team, come back up here. And um, so I want you to want this. So I'm going to ask you to pray it. Pray Ephesians Lord, we pray that whenever we open our mouths, words may be given us so that we will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. <clears throat> now, I... Uh, I purposefully didn't hand these out at the beginning. I said it uh, initially because I didn't want you to be reading this. But I also did it because I, I want you to act. I want you to want this. I don't want you to just stick something else in your Bible or in, in a, I really don't want to see it in a trash can or in the parking lot. So, um, so... I'm asking you, in this season of prayer, Lord, teach us to pray again. You've prayed that five years ago or ten years ago. We're saying it again. Twenty years ago, Lord, teach me to pray again. We're getting back on our tricycles again, and we're just moving forward as best we can. And this is a pattern that I've used in my life uh, uh, that I, I haven't prayed this every day for the last 29, 30 years but it's been a background that's, uh, that I've, I've prayed sometimes two years or three years in, in, in sequence. And then I shift to other 
types of, uh, and models of prayer in my life. But I keep coming back to this because I want this bowl of my soul that I'm presenting to God to be full of His character. So as we worship, I want you to, to pray for a little bit and, and say, Lord, I, I want to move forward in building a soul to present to you for eternity. And come on up here and grab one of these guides if that's what you wanted, if that's a process that you want to be involved in. And uh, bring it home and ask the Lord in, in this next season. You know, you, I would encourage you to just use it directly for a while before you start modifying it. And then at some point, as you really own it and you've thought through these things, what is it that I'm trying to present to God? That you would uh, then feel free to use it in any way you, you want to. So let's worship. If you want to have one of these, you're saying, teach me to pray again, Lord. I'm engaging again at a new level.